everyone and welcome back to What Above a Pollen Podcast. I'm Ox and this week I'm joined by Lecky, Veg and our lovely Beans has returned Wee-wee. as we continue our pollen rewatch of season two. Beans, did you find Atlantis? I didn't find Atlantis but I did find mental clarity. <laughs> <laughs> well that's more than what we can say with seven people in this episode so mm. you know proud of you. Thank you. Welcome back. You come back at the right time. Yeah. Uh, we need you for this episode. And it's also a very sacred day that I'm sure you're thrilled to celebrate this. On the day of recording, it's exactly one year since the Blessed to Dumb 2022. No, I did <laughs> not realise that. <laughs> Yeah, happy happy anniversary. Delighted to spend the day with you, lovely ladies, oh again. God. Again, yeah, here we are again. <laughs> so this time last year, Veg, sadly, you were not you were not involved in this. <laughs> Sorry. No, I was on the live stream. You were on the live stream, but this time last year we were all messaging each other. And do you remember how much we kicked off when we didn't get a clip? We did, yeah, yeah <gasps> we did a little chat together and our surprise and disappointment. Yeah. Oh, well. There was four clips on the little film clipboard and you guys were like there's were three clips there has to be one more and I was like no I don't I don't think there is we were like no 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 keep watching they're gonna come back and you were like no voice of reason beans but you know a year later we still haven't got a clip oh god still haven't gotten a clip we got four pictures (laughs) great pictures Mm -hmm. We got two episodes worth of material out of the four pictures. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. The real to doom was the friends we made along the way. Yes. Yeah. Jesus. Speaking of the to doom clips and pirate Colin, you have some pirate news, don't you, Ups? I do have some pirate. Well, I've had a very piratey week, Lucky, to be honest with you. All week I've been staying in none other than Hostel Pirate. It is everything you could hope for and more. It's incredible. The place I'm staying in used to be like a pirate hotspot, like a genuine real pirates. And they really lean into the theme. And I've had a beautiful week at Hostel Pirate. Or as I've been told the locals say it, Hostel Pirate. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. I love pirates. For a spell, it was my dream to open a pirate-themed restaurant. What would have been on the menu at a pirate-themed restaurant? It was like Caribbean food. Some crab okay, legs. Okay, okay. I'm sorry that dream died. That's that's very upsetting. That's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I've had a lovely time. Yeah. Tomorrow I'm leaving the country, going somewhere new. We'll see where I end up. You've added Albania or some such place to your itinerary. Maybe I have. Maybe I have, Veg. <laughs> Beans, you, you're very prophetic. Are you tingling, tingling about anything at the minute? You mean Bridgerton related? Yeah. <sighs> Not really. I feel like maybe we'll hear something in October. <laughs> you're like our mm. uh, Punxsutawney Phil. <laughs> You're like, go back to sleep for another year, guys. We're oh <laughs> getting nothing. Maybe mid to late October, latest beginning of November. Right. There you, you heard it first from us. Six more weeks of winter pollen fans. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. More coming weeks. I'll come in. Please watch the Groundhog Day musical. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Anyway. Let's get cracking. Let's get cracking, yes. We've got an episode to get on with. And you know what? It's a great episode. Happy days all around. <laughs> I almost went on protest at the fact that I had to rewatch this. So that's Same. kind of my headspace. Traumatising. But you know, we've got to get over to Aubrey Hall. We've got the Hearts and Flowers Ball to get to. But before we do, just to delay the inevitable even further, Lucky, take us through the breaking crumbs of the week. So, Lecky, what have you got for us? Hello, Barbkin. Phoebe Dinevor was featured in Elle magazine earlier this week. In the interview, which was conducted before the strike began, Phoebe discussed her new projects, Fair Play and Anniversary, as well as her experiences in the industry. In the feature, executive producer of Bridgerton, Betsy Beers, said of Phoebe that finding the right Daphne was very difficult, but Phoebe has this incredible ability to both embody the rigid roles of Regency-era England and also transform into a heroine we could all identify with. Phoebe's new film, Fair Play, will premiere on Netflix 
on the 6th of October. Excitingly, the film was the subject of an intense bidding war at Sundance Film Festival, with Netflix ultimately winning out, suggesting that the film is going to be pretty great. So definitely check that out in the next few weeks. Yeah, that one's definitely on my list. Yeah, oh, and it's it's also like a romantic thriller. And I think she mentioned it in this article too, that it's very much about the power dynamics in a mm. relationship. Kind of a little element of Bridgerton there. A drama. <laughs> In other cast news, Florence Hunt, our wonderful Hyacinth Bridgerton, appeared at the Dior Spring-Summer 24 show during Paris Fashion Week, looking absolutely lovely. Oh, she really did. Nicholas show Dairy Girls has been nominated for an International Emmy Award in the comedy category, so best of luck to the entire cast and crew. Yay. In more awards news, Burt Seymour show The Diplomat has been nominated for Best New Drama at the TV Choice Awards 2024. And at the same awards, Wreck, the horror comedy starring James Foon, has been nominated for Best Drama. So UK listeners, you can go and vote for both shows if you'd like, via the link in our show notes. And US listeners, voting appears to work for those across the pond as well. Does it? <laughs> yes, I voted last night. Speaking of Harry Dankworth, you can also catch James Foon voicing a character in the new Warhammer Plus show, Pariah Nexus, the first two episodes of which are already available to stream on Warhammer TV. And elsewhere, everyone's favorite footman, Ollie Higginson, can be seen in episode four of The Chelsea Detective, available now on Prime Video. We love Footman John. But... For the big news this week, in strike news, as you may have heard, the WGA and AMPTP have reached an agreement last Sunday, bringing the writer's strike to an end after 148 days. The agreement made meaningful gains for the writers across issues such as AI protections, residuals, minimum staffing for writers' rooms, and data transparency. WGA President Meredith Steam praised members for the resolve and the solidarity seen within the WGA itself, as well as within SAG-AFTRA. And we are so pleased to hear that the writers were able to secure yeah. the deal they deserve and hope the same will soon be possible for SAG-AFTRA. Speaking of which, SAG-AFTRA have announced that they will be meeting with the AMPTP on Monday, October 2nd, to resume negotiations. This is a pretty good sign, and while we can't say for certain how things will turn out, I think the strength of the WGA's deal shows that the studios and streamers are ready to get back to business and willing to quickly hammer out a deal, so we'll see how things go. Yeah, let's hope. Over in London, the Broadcasting, Entertainment, Communications, and Theatre Union, BECTU, will be holding a demonstration in Leicester Square on Thursday, <laughs> October 5th, to call on the AMPTP to resolve the strike and to raise awareness of the impact the strikes have had on the UK film and television industry. And I just want to say we're not laughing because it's a funny matter. I'm laughing because Ovs wanted me to mispronounce that and I actually knew how to pronounce Leicester Square because of the kink song dedicated follower of fashion. So thank you. Oh, I tried to convince you it was Leicester. Yeah, and I responded by saying you are a cruel woman indeed to stand here and talk of friendly affection as if you've not just committed a grave sin against me. You'd still rock up in your carriage to get me over, wouldn't you? <laughs> to lighten the mood the day this episode is released is the one-year anniversary of the very first Champagne Friday, something which Yay. became a beloved tradition for both production and fans. I can't believe it's been a year. I remember that time very, very fondly. Every Friday, we were so excited to see if Dick was going to post. I remember, sadly, you never got your, your hoodie. <laughs> I never got my jumper. I so wanted one. I had yeah. no money to remember. And then yeah. one time, I finally got a paycheck on my new job. She stopped doing it. Yeah, they, they stopped but it's okay. posting. I've got my biscuit cushion cushion and my bench mug, if you know, you know. Yes, and so we'd like to raise a glass of champagne or a bench mug or have some tea or <laughs> lemonade or your personal drink of choice to celebrate Nicola and each other. Oh, here's to you, Lek. <laughs> Thank you, Lecky. In today's episode, we'll be breaking down everything Penn and Colin from season two, episode four, Victory. We're already at the halfway point of season two. Oh We're cracking through, guys, and what an episode. I 
loved it. Beans, we need you to lighten the mood for us, honestly, this time. I don't know if I'm going to lighten the mood because I feel like when I was rewatching it, I felt pretty critical of Penn. <gasps> yeah, same. Ooh. I agree with you. Ditto. We'll get, yeah. there, we'll get there. Veg, you're going to have to uh, man up the defences for Penn. Great. <laughs> <laughs> but to kick us off, Lady Veg, can you give us our episode summary? Dearest gentle listener, this episode, the ton arrives at Aubrey Hall and mingles. Anthony's plans to seal the deal with Edwina are thrown by a flash of Kate's thigh and a flirt <laughs> in the library. Colin fuckface Bridgerton <laughs> goes to visit Marina and her new family, where he tells an olive joke, makes a friend, and gets some thought-provoking advice. Portia coordinates an engagement between Prudence and Jack, but is dismayed to discover that he has been a poor little man all along. <laughs> and after much anguish, Anthony ultimately proposes to Edwina. Dun, dun, dun. That single Bridgerton brain cell. Nowhere to be seen. <laughs> Thank you for that, Lady Veg. Right, let's get started then. Last week we had so much fun with Modiste Watch that we figured we'd pay tribute to another fan favorite character this episode. And if you've been suffering in this fandom for as long as we have, you'll likely know if not already love Lord Fife. First name, undetermined. Bertram, according to AO3. <laughs> It's either Bertram or Reginald, according to AO3. But if you've somehow avoided falling into the Five Life camp over the past year, here's a quick explanation. You're missing out. <laughs> I think it's partly a bad boy thing, but he's also kind of a shitster. If you like Chaos Colin, Lord Five has an element of that. He's commonly referenced using either snake and cocktail or martini emojis. And for those unaware, Ovs is a pretty big fan. In fact, I am she thinks Lord Five up. is innocent of the accusation. So many have lodged at him and wrote an in defense of Lord Five script breakdown last year, which is hilarious and which we will, of course, be sharing. There's nothing hilarious about the truth, Lecky. I will defend this man <laughs> to my dying day. Name me something that he's actually done wrong, and I'm open to listening, but if you actually look at the text in front of us, the holy scripture, you'll see he's never done anything wrong. It's not his fault if the Bridgerton brothers can't keep the mouth shut, is it? Sorry, Colin. <laughs> Fife Live, here we go. This is the episode for Fife. And keep your eyes peeled in season three, because Bert Seymour, who plays Sadly Lord Fife, will be back. Seymour. He is back. Maybe not in the way one isn't to be, mm-hmm. but it'll be there. So, shall we get into the episode then? So, we open our episode. Last week, the Bridgertons and Sharmas were away in Kent, and this week, the rest of the town are about to join them. We open to scenes of the Bridgerton staff frantically preparing for their arrival. Lady Whistledown is just as excited as we are for the trip to the country, as she says. If the ancient Greeks were members of the town, they might have added to their Olympic pentathlon one additional event, the hosting of a country visit. What's that, Lady Whistledown? Bring up the ancient Greeks, are we? Seems like Colin isn't the only one who can't stop talking about Greece. And I do wonder why Lady Whistledown has such an interest in the country. It reminds me of last year when she kept mentioning Byron. Someone who has an interest in Byron and Greece. What an enigma. <laughs> and inside Aubrey Hall, Antony sabotages Ben's painting by eating forbidden fruit. I'm assuming this symbolism means nothing, but this isn't very important and it's not very pollen related. But here Benedict practices his new hobby of dramatically throwing open windows, a hobby I believe he discovered last episode. Mm. Possibly doesn't mean anything, but as always, I love the way that Benedict handles his grumpy lovesick siblings 
sibling, so you know, it can always come in handy next year. But Lecky, why don't you keep an eye on Ben for us, see what else he gets up to in the episode. I think we're going to need cheering up at various points. <laughs> and before everyone starts arriving at Aubrey Hall, I just want to pop in on Kate and Edwina. Edwina is worrying about the repercussions of not receiving a proposal, and she says that suitors will suspect that there is something lacking in me when they discover that Viscount is no longer interested. This is a tragic reminder that there could still be repercussions from Colin's words in episode 8. I'm very curious about how they are going to handle that next season. Do you think that Penn is going to write about it though? I kind of hope he finds out about it another way. Same. Um, yeah, same. You know I want her to have the upper hand. I've said this before, like how I don't want her to think that he loves her until he tells her that this time. Yeah. yeah. I don't think she's going to write about it because it was incredibly humiliating for her as well. Yeah. And while she doesn't have a hard time poking at herself, I feel like this is something that she is probably going to keep out because yeah, I sure. don't think she wants Colin to know that she knows what he said. Even though he already fucking mm-hmm. said it to a group of people. But, you know, <laughs> I think that she's still, in a way, going to protect Colin. Yeah. And thus yeah. protect herself. Totally agree. Yeah. I think it would be super dramatic if she did publish, but I think it's more interesting if we, the audience, know that Penelope heard him and he doesn't know. Right. Yeah. If she publishes it, it takes that conflict yes. public yeah. instead of being personal. So what could be this really quiet, intense moment between the two love interests will become yeah. this big public spectacle. <laughs> and I think you'd lose the power. I completely agree with what you said about she doesn't want to hurt him. It isn't retaliatory. She doesn't want to wound yeah. him. She still cares about him. And also, like you say beans it's mm-hmm. embarrassing yeah the torn already think nothing of her so why put herself through the humiliation right another thing too is if she's so determined to get a husband next year it's not going to benefit her to write about it yeah it's true. Yeah. true yes true, true. yeah i like the idea that he doesn't remember what he said because he was drunk he comes back he doesn't understand this is the other thing either it has to have happened off screen that she published which dramatically doesn't work no. for a tv show like that to have the conflict off screen or it's the first thing that she writes when he comes back and it's like then that's too much time why why would she do that like you say if she's trying to find a husband it's been such a long time it's been like eight months for her she's it's true in a different headspace yeah i agree let him be confused let him think that it's something to do with eloise also like she isn't the diamond so it's not like she's gonna have a fall from grace they just laughed at her it's not shocking news that colin wouldn't want to be with her it's not shocking yeah. news that they've made fun of her before either yeah you know oh pen let's cheer ourselves up because we're gonna pop by genevieve's shop last week we saw pen and jen join forces to create the unstoppable force that is penelope penelope Penelope? Yes, Penelope. Penelope. Yes, a cursed word about a beautiful friendship. We know the two businesswomen have teamed up, but here we get a peek at just how they're carrying it off. So Pen is no longer alone in delivering her editions to the printer. As Jen slips a draft into the fabric, you can just about read a snippet of the edition. And fans at the Unnamed Medeast, I am devastated to tell you that Lady Whistledown has some terrible <laughs> news for you, as she reports that Madame Delacroix is getting our Olympians ready for battle, namely the members of the Tarn who are about to descend on Aubrey Hall. And do you know what else that Genevieve has done? Madame Delacroix has apparently tested her competition, putting the town's newest Modiste nearly out of business. Our poor Anne Modiste is almost ruined. Devastating. This little glimpse, though, is a reminder of just what Jen is getting out of this arrangement too. It's benefiting her business just as much as helping Penelope. Women help women, unless you're a Viennese seamstress. Whoops, <laughs> Daisy. But we catch up with the ton who are all stuck in a traffic jam. Traffic jam, carriage jam, horse jam. Not horse jam, that sounds like... <laughs> Doesn't sound very good. 
They're in some kind of jam. <laughs> we find our lovely pen with the rest of the family in the Featherington carriage as she's happily reading her edition of Whistledown. I do love how proud she always is of her work. Yeah. Of course, we can't see Pen in a carriage and not swoon at the future implications. And we will be seeing Colin in a carriage later too, although less happily, unfortunately. Mm. But if you're interested, you can also see the Featherington crest on the side of the carriage, a classic butterfly motif accompanied by the Latin motto, Felicitatum, roughly meaning happiness or fortunate. A member of the sub once theorised that this was a little hat tip to the long lost sister Felicity, as the word Felicity does share the same root as this motto, so everyone raise a glass of sister that never was. I kind of wonder <laughs> if her lady's maid's going to be named Felicity. Oh, maybe. That would be cute. I did wonder this. Yeah. It would be such a good nod, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would send us all spiralling. In my head, she's just called Rosa, but that's just the actress's name. <laughs> yeah. Pen looks, in my opinion, absolutely stunning, but we will get into that in a minute. And soon it will be because the horse jump finally clears and we are on our way to the Bridgertons. So here we are, finally at Aubrey Hall. The violinists are violining, the guests are beginning to arrive, the Aubrey Hall throwdown is officially underway. We get our first little glimpse of Colin in the episode as he's chatting with Eloise, and as Violet and Daphne greet a line of guests, we can spot our Featheringtons, including the lovely Penelope, waiting for their turn to be greeted into Aubrey Hall. But who else is there, Lecky? In the queue, we see Fife standing behind Penelope, and I really think he's actually just fiddling with his cufflinks here, but it does... No. <laughs> it does look slightly like he's looking at Penelope, so you can see why so many people were convinced he was going to be Colin's rival in season three. My theory, well, now that it's not a thing that's going to happen, but I loved the idea of Fife being that bully, but was like secretly in love with someone and he bullies her because he wants her for himself. Incredibly toxic notion. Whoa, 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 Incredibly no, no, no. toxic. <laughs> no, 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 no. Incredibly toxic no. notion. <laughs> Where is the bullying? Where is the bullying? <laughs> yeah, we've really just taken this Fife thing and run with it, haven't we? Listen, he's all sassy bitch. He could be a little bully on the side (laughs) (laughs) my god listen we have 21 minutes of fucking content with pollen i gotta make stories up where i get them (laughs) (laughs) to contextualize listeners let us transport you back to april may june of 2022 last year when we knew it was pollen season in season three but we didn't have a synopsis we had no idea what was going to happen the fans absolutely convinced themselves mostly because of what happens in this very episode mm-hmm. season three was going to be colin getting home from his travels he was somehow going to be already in love with penelope we didn't really think that through <laughs> and fife was going to have stolen his girl and the reason we thought this is because he is constantly watching yes. pen in this episode yes and a hundred percent bird seymour didn't help the situation because he yeah he's living it yeah because <laughs> he would repost on his instagram stories art of him flirting with penelope and shit like that yes we were so excited especially when they started filming <laughs> bird seymour we're grateful that you lead the five life for us lucky i know that you're a five doubt in this moment but i can't watch this scene without remaining absolutely certain that he is staring at Penelope like look at the tilt of his head he stood to the side he is watching her I'm convinced he is positioned weirdly like out from the other extras which is kind of odd you know what I mean they're all Mm -hmm. kind of towards the right except for five just you could see him towards the left of Penelope I'm not gonna go into this because I don't think he's looking at Penelope but moments later we do see five watching Penelope so she's running down a little incline toward Eloise and Colin. Behind her, you can see Five walking along the path, and this time it really does look like he's staring at her. Maybe Bert Seymour figured it would make sense for his character to glance in the direction of a lady running around. It does seem a bit unusual, but it's an odd moment that many people have taken an interest in. And I was such a Five clan was I that I spent many happy hours spiraling over the fact that Five is dressed in blue and yellow during this (laughs) scene. I was like, there it is. (laughs) 
were simpler times. It was a happier time in the fandom this time last year. <laughs> but I think he he maybe is watching, but not because he's interested in Penn. I think he's interested maybe in Colin oh, being interested in Penn. That's as we a good see point. In 208. Because he's interested in her. <laughs> I mean, he could be. He could be. I always feel, now that I've had time with it, I think that Fife is like a barometer for the Tom. I feel like he is like the bar of where their feelings are. Yeah, he's a gossipy bitch. He loves it. I'd be throwing back martinis with that man, I'm telling you now, <laughs> if I was in Bridgerton. If he approves of Colin and Penn next year, it's like the nod that Queen Charlotte does mm-hmm. at the end of 208. If if Fife sees Colin and Penn and nods, then it's like, yeah, they're happy ever after. They have the been. seal of uh, approval. Yeah, exactly. But the five watch side, let's head down that hill because Penelope Bridgerton is here. And how is she looking, Veg? Well, she's wearing green, hence the Penelope Bridgerton. As we know from future leaks, mm-hmm. we think that's going to be sort of her Bridgerton colour. And that's the pollens combined colour. And also in an interview with People, the costume designer Sophie Canali talked about this dress in particular. And she said that the green was a deliberate decision for Penn's arrival at Aubrey Hall to not only foreshadow the merging of the Featheringtons and the Bridgertons via Pollen's marriage, but it was also a hint that series three would be Penn and Collins. She'd known about it for a long time that it was their season, and she said it was just a useful as a tool to know where your characters are going. I think it's so interesting that she knew for a long time because yeah. when we're breaking down their costumes in this season, if a start makes this sound not so crazy, but <laughs> you can learn a lot about their journey that they're going towards yeah. by what they're wearing. Oh, I love the details. Yeah. I mean, this whole episode was kind of like, if you didn't have any idea that it was going to be Paula next season, I feel like this was the turning point. Yeah. Mm. It's a turning point, yeah. exactly that. Yeah, definitely. Sure. But to return to the dress, I always thought that the exact shade of green was quite unusual, but when you watch 208 and you see the green mallet that Colin has beans I'll make you do a comparison to collage I'm telling you the colour of the green mallet is exactly the same shade as Penelope's dress here I'm just saying the next time he's at Aubrey Hall he's picking up a mallet he's switching from his yellow and he's like green it's like oh what does this light green remind me of it's all connected <laughs> I think she looks so pretty though her hair is so loose yes. her eyes are so fluid she seems so confident and yeah. her hair is gorgeous I think her voice sounds definitely less less girlish than normal she's normally a bit like oh Colin when she's speaking to him and I don't know about you guys but I just love this look a lot and I feel like until Colin ruins it I feel like I'm watching a scene from like season four or beyond with Elle and Pollen hanging out at Aubrey Hall and it makes me very <gasps> yes it is it's like a little flash forward to the future by the way in case you missed it in the moments before Pen arrived Eloise was chastising Colin about his travel saying you should consider yourself lucky to even go travelling but thankfully Pen is here to rescue Elle from Colin and how's Colin looking? So he's in his signature baby blue look <laughs> I think in my mind especially in this scene baby blue is sort of correlated with baby behaviour and we see this with what he announces in this scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like it's it's very apt that he goes to Romney Hall in this baby blue and giving what Marina tells him at the end. Yes. I think that all ties yes, together. Exactly. He is a boy. Yeah. And but he does also as a cute little other point. If you look closely, you can see his waistcoat is covered in tiny little flowers, which is a sweet nod towards his journey to Romney Hall and the friendship he'll make with everyone's favourite botanist, Plant, Plant Daddy. Daddy! Speaking of Plant Daddy, this whole scene is layered with Philoise shadowing as opposed to Pollen for shadowing, sadly. Elsa, she's begun talking to the trees. Colin asks Penn if Eloise is calling him wooden. And Eloise makes a pretty dark reference to the dangerous waters that will reinforce when we see that lake over oh, at Romney yikes. Hall. But Penn insists that Eloise is not calling him wooden. And I think it's adorable how Colin turns to Penn for a bit of lighthearted reassurance. Like you say, Veg, it's a little glimpse at future Pollen with their good friend Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Steve. 
Um, and might I point out, Colin is still looking very tanned in this scene from his travels. It's quite a tan look. So it shows that he retains tan. Does this mean he'll be tanned mm-hmm. for the whole of season three? It's pretty hard to tell from the preview shots, but I am excited to see. I know Italy, Spain and France aren't quite as hot as Greece, but still pretty hot. What do we I'm think? I'm fine with the tan. Beans? I like the he tan. He definitely looks tan in the pilot. I'm fine with it. You like the tan? But he's definitely tanned when he gets back. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to retain it as much. But Cole makes a dig at Elle about her going to read another pamphlet on women's rights. And Penn, who has been doing everything she can to steer Elle away from anything to do with the pamphlets, suggests that Elle is quite done with that. But Colin reveals that she's brought them with them over to Aubrey Hall. Remember, a suspicious Colin spotted her with it in last week's episode. Yes. And he seems very well informed on the matter at the moment. Very observant of him. Very observant. Penn is a bit annoyed to hear that Elle is still on with her printer hunt and once again tries to steer Elle away. But Elle reveals that she's quite taken with the pamphlet and name drops Theo, who we saw earlier in the episode helping with the Lady Whistledown goings on. Penn is straight on it and warns Elle about being in dangerous waters that side of town. A bit hypocritical of her. <laughs> <laughs> it is a nice little pollen scene, but it's also painful because we all know it's going to end with Colin admitting that he's going to see marina but there is a bright side here basically penelope scolds eloise when she learns that she's still making trips to unsavory parts of town what happens next is interesting because cullen reveals that he also disapproves of Elle's behavior but he leaves penelope to handle mm. the problem it's implied he's spoken with Elle already and has at least temporarily given up reasoning with her leaving penelope to step in but as readers of romancy mr bridgerton know cullen is very passionate about the issue of penelope wandering around alone so i expect he won't drop the issue so quickly when he learns Penelope is also taking similar risks. Yeah, he fully knows what Elle's been up to, which shows that he's been paying very close attention, which definitely gives credence to the theory that he's going to accuse her next year. I do think it's interesting that he knows he's doing nothing to stop her. He's like, you go around Bloomsbury love all you like. But he really doesn't seem all that concerned. Not that I think he'd be able to stop her. But uh, we find out that Colin is going away for the day. And whilst I'm pleased to know that he's not joining any hunt and not killing any little baby rabbits because that will break my Colin heart into pieces, yes. <laughs> we are all gutted to learn that Colin is going to break our hearts in a different way by following through on Elle's tip from last week that Marina lives nearby. Note that as Colin tells Penelope that he's going to see her cousin, he looks away. Yeah. He can't quite meet her eye in it. And I think this gives a little bit of weight to the moment that we'll see in 207 when Marina gets brought up between the two of them and they share a very heavy look between them. So he's clearly still uncomfortable with the idea idea of bringing Marina up around Penelope. Yeah. Eloise makes a comment about not being the only one to get into dangerous waters. And Penelope gives such a sad little worried look at Colin yeah, as he bows. A little face. Yes. She's so upset, isn't she? When she brings up Marina, it's like, it's such a sad face, but also quite funny. It's like despairing. Yeah. She's like, you fucking yeah, kidding me. finally thought she'd have to worry about <laughs> Marina. But we haven't got time to dwell because Violet is going to come and sweep the two girls away. You know what? I do want to add something. We have a little reduce, reuse, recycle. Yep. Mm-hmm. Violet Bridgerton, the dress that she's wearing yes. will be seen in season three <gasps> on one of the yeah. town members it's <laughs> <laughs> true so yeah, Violet swoops in and grabs both Penn and Elle, trying to convince them to interact with the other ladies in attendance. And there's an amusing moment here where Violet tries to persuade them to socialize by suggesting they may overhear some gossip. And <laughs> Penn replies that she would not dream of doing anything different. In other words, she wouldn't dream of missing out on the gossip. Yeah, I love how happy Violet is to include Penn. She's such a great judge of character, I, I feel anyway. <laughs> and I do love how she encourages them to collect gossip. I think this shows that maybe she'll have good reaction to the Lady Whistledown reveal. Maybe. We can only hope. A good reaction or she'll help set the pyre on fire. But we do know that Violet pays a lot of attention to Penelope's mm. as she brought it up in Queen Charlotte when she notices yes. Yes. that they're estranged from one another. 
So we're going to follow Colin, but before we do, I just want to pop over to catch up with Benedict, who is having the time of his life watching Antony make a fool of himself in front of Kate. I just love Benedict's reactions in the background during this conversation about whether Kate should join the men on the hunt. He is so amused by the mess that his brother has walked into, and I just can't wait to see similar behavior from Benedict in season three when he realizes the extent of chaos Colin's plans. Benedict's going to have a larger part in season three. Mm-hmm. And I think that very that's very telling for who may be season four. If we Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's true. It's true. That's how it goes. So it'll be interesting because he's clearly going to be more involved in Pollen's story, but it feels like that's just kind of how Benedict has been every season. He's sort of on the outskirts mm-hmm. of every sibling's mm-hmm. relationships just reacting. So it will be interesting to see if he steps up a little bit more and possibly maybe comes to Colin's defense with Antony or something like that and if there's like a really good bonding moment between Colin and Ben and Antony all three of ABC together you know Ben here is very enjoying the spectacle and letting Anthony yeah. flounder a little bit. And I can imagine that to an extent he'll do that with Colin, but he also doesn't want to see his siblings ruin their own lives. Yes. But, and ben was kind of the only one who picked up a little bit on Colin's sort of attitude towards everything. I mean, it took Colin just being pretty vague, but depressingly vague in the last episode <laughs> yeah. for Benedict <laughs> to like finally pick it up. Whereas Colin is a little bit more intuitive. Mm. So I'm wondering if, Ben will understand that Colin is very different from Anthony and he's very different from himself. Yeah. So yeah. He needs that emotional support. And I don't think Ben wants to watch right. him ruin his own life. I think he'll, there'll come a point where he'll step in and yeah. sit down with him and offer him some very good advice about always being able to recognize exactly what is right mm-hmm. in front of you the whole time and yes. make sure you're not <laughs> blind to things that yeah. are screamingly obvious because Benedict has that, right. he has that wisdom, you know. <laughs> but speaking of Colin, we find him in his carriage. Yay. But unfortunately, it's on its way to Romney Hall as it pulls up outside. And now he's got a nice little top hat on, which has like is a nice little addition but god knows what is going through his mind what do you initially think he hoped for from the trip when he stepped out of that carriage how do you think he thought that this was gonna go to be honest like the way he talks to marina it's almost like he expects her to say that she also regretted the way things ended with them and that yeah. she'd rather be with him and i i, I hate yeah. that i just don't even want to yep. think about it yes yeah. <laughs> i i really think that he thought it was gonna be like a gretna green part two like she was gonna be like oh yeah yeah like this was you are obviously yeah, this the, was a mistake yeah you're obviously the person for me and like everything i said previously blah 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 i think he's still holding on yeah. to that a lot because yeah. he doesn't want his feelings to be untrue and they weren't like his feelings were incredibly valid and he felt yeah. that love and everything or you he know thought he felt that love exactly right but it wasn't the same it wasn't reciprocated that mm. wasn't marina's intent in his defense i feel like he spent so much time during his travels thinking about marina yeah. and the regret that he was mm-hmm. left with and having no closure that i think maybe he convinced himself that he needed to yeah. go back to her and try to pick up that relationship even though obviously that's a mistake Mm -hmm. and what he didn't need yeah he's just lost he's confused by it isn't he because i think he wants to go back and be able to do something about it and in his head going back and and being like i'll save you again is him being able to do something actually what he needs and we will get into it he he wants to be able to take action because he wasn't able to he completely left her to it anthony stopped him from seeing her and like you say like he he spent months away thinking about it and trying to figure out because it was such a confusing situation for 
him that what he does need is closure and he will get it maybe in a not the nicest way possible but he'll get that closure but at the moment he doesn't know that that's what he needs As he steps out of his carriage, he is immediately comforted, we hope, by the sight of the yellow exterior of Romney Hall. I wonder who (laughs) it could remind him of. A friend, perhaps? And perhaps Colin will make a new friend here. Indeed, it's very similar orangey yellow to the Palm Mall mallet that Eloise chose last week. A little bit of Philoise for you. But as Colin stares up at the house, he gathers himself and heads on in, and he sits and waits for Marina, and he's nervously fidgeting with his baby blue clothes, clearly unable to get comfortable or to settle. I really love these tiny attention to details that Luke Newton includes throughout this whole trip to Romney. showing how unsure of himself Colin is throughout the entire interaction. And Marina walks into the room, baby in arms, and... Emphasizing that he is still stuck in the past, Colin completely flubs his greeting here, first calling her Marina, then Miss Thompson, (laughs) and finally Lady Crane. Thanks. I hate it. But Colin makes up for it moments later, acting completely adorable when he meets baby Oliver. Again, we see that same open-mouthed amazement that we saw last episode. I must admit, however, that I may or may not have used clips from this scene in a crack edit where I was challenged to make Colin look creepy. I thought that was impossible. He literally coos at babies, but somehow managed to create a very short little edit that implied he'd rather eat babies than coo at them. I am so sorry, Colin. Um, Very Greek myth of you. But then they move over to the sofa to sit in our beloved Colin as he takes his seat, waves at baby Oliver, which is just the cutest thing. I was really bad for him in this scene, though, because I think it's so strange that he goes back and, like, those kids would have been his had he married her. And that's such a strange thing for him to have to get his head around. Right. And then to add an extra layer to that, Amanda and Oliver will end up being his family. Yes. Yeah. He'll end up being their mm-hmm. uncle when Eloise marries him. So in a weird way, he's like meeting his future niece and nephew. Yeah. See, I don't think he considered that. I don't, when he went, I don't think he considered the fact that Marina like had babies because when he yeah. last saw her, she was pregnant, but like. Not visibly. Yeah. She wasn't really showing and everything. Yeah. She says that he is stuck in the past yeah. and he, yeah, he is quite literally. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. really consider that she has a new reality he's stuck in the idea that he had of her mm-hmm. Rena tells Colin that Philip is out studying his flowers and Colin apologizes for turning up unannounced explaining that he was staying nearby when he found out how close they lived and I bet Marina is regretting ever telling Eloise where she lived but Colin says that he just thought he'd come and see that she was well and then he kind of stumbles over his words He's so burdened by everything that happened. But Marina reassures him that she is well and she very clearly has moved forward with her life and is doing pretty well. She's the lady of the household and she's pleased to see him. So the two of them sit down for tea together. Colin is busy doing what he does best or perhaps all he really knows how to do at the moment, which is talk about Greece. Colin is so sheepish in this scene. He talks up his travels in Greece, then starts to worry that he may be talking too much. I just feel so badly for him. Oh, the entire scene breaks my heart because Marina is clearly not interested, but she's trying to still be polite at this point. She hasn't quite broken like she will later and snap at him. And she says, it sounds like a remarkable journey that he's been on. To which Colin replies, remarkable, yes, in that I seem to have many remarks about it. Do Mm. I not? And the way he twists the word remarks just makes me want Mm -hmm. to solve. Yeah, like you said, it's so clear that he thinks that no one is interested in what he has to say. Beyond pen, but again, we've got a mental block there with Colin. (laughs) But yeah, the sad little way he also uh, then puts down his little teacup when he starts to become really self-conscious. Just, yeah, it makes me so sad. Yeah, Penn is definitely the only one who finds his stories truly interesting. But it's also a bit more than that. I think his stories are a way of covering up to himself as much to anybody else that he really struggled a lot while he was away. Something that Penelope did pick up on. Ben sort of picked up on the tiniest bit. Luke Newton said that a lot of Colin's storytelling was pretense and it was coming from a place of feeling like that's how he was supposed to feel after returning from his travels rather than something he actually felt like. 
But I really think that in this scene, it, the truth breaks out of Colin. I think it's a really vulnerable moment for Colin here because he's back in front of the woman who did all that damage that made him run away in the first place. And I think Marina broke his sense of judgment and his confidence within himself. And he's been unsure of himself ever since then. Like the details of like putting the teacup down and being so unsure and nervous in his voice. This Colin is going to be miles away from the swagger we're expecting in 301. And I think it's an important reminder that season two was a huge struggle for him. Something that I often think gets overlooked for his character. The whole season, he's drowning and no one but Pen really notices it. But then Philip arrives. Things start to look up when Colin's future plant bestie walks in. Yeah, plant daddy walks through that door. He takes his hat off. He gives us a smile. Wins all our hearts, including Colin's. Love at first sight is real, my friends. So Philip gives a tiny look to Marina because he surely knows all this Marina drama. And she and he's very well aware that this is her ex-fiance that's just turned up out of the blue. Mm-hmm. But he's so chilled out. Yeah. He's so welcoming and accommodating. I forgot how lovely his voice is. <laughs> he's just the nicest. I think he's the nicest character yeah. in the entire show. Um, yeah. Colin is a little bit unsure about the arrival of Marina's husband. And he says that Philip's wife has let him drone on about his recent Grecian adventures. And look what happens. Philip is all <laughs> over it. He genuinely is interested in his Greek travels. Colin, babe, you found your audience. And immediately starts chatting about the olive orchards in Lesbos. Colin makes his iconic plant pun then. Pen would lap this right up. And do you know who else flaps this right up? Our dear Beans. Because this is your favourite line, isn't it? It's my favourite line in the entire franchise. <laughs> what is it, Beans? I oiled my way right in. That was an olive joke. <laughs> I'm glad that you've given it such a rapturous reaction because it falls so flat. I laughed out loud when he first said it. I just love it so (laughs) it's just Colin is so charming and we don't get to see a lot of that and so I'm so excited to see him be charming with plant puns in season three. Or whatever puns. <laughs> yeah. Any puns. Mm-hmm. Any puns. Uh, Marina does not laugh at Colin's joke, yet another sign that they would likely mm. have been miserable together. Yeah, yeah, been terrible. And Philip doesn't laugh either, but that's only because he's so taken with the sorts of trees. <laughs> that he yeah. gets really adorably distracted. They both have this gorgeous little bonding moment over trees and it's an actual conversation where they're both interested in each other's thoughts. Fancy that. And Philip insists that he must show Colin his copy of Flora Greca. Marina looks extremely unimpressed by the two geeking out together and is even less thrilled when Philip invites Colin for dinner. She really thought she could get Colin out of the door but he's oiled his way in and you won't be getting rid of him that easily. <laughs> Uh, So Colin's settling himself in at Romney Hall, but we're back at the garden party at Aubrey Hall to see what Elle and Penn are getting up to. Penn and Elle are sitting at a table with a group of young ladies. Penn is drinking lemonade and looking like a goddess, and Elle looks like she'd rather be anywhere else. (laughs) But Penn can't contain her smile when one of the other ladies in attendance shares that Lady Whistledown is a source of happiness in her life, when one of the other ladies then states that Lady Whistledown will not be able to publish anything of note that week, as she's presumably not in attendance, Penn replies, is that so? This is another little glimpse of Penn's recklessness as we know that she does mm-hmm. later go on to publish mm-hmm. news about the two engagements she witnessed during this trip. A very dangerous move since the Queen is actively hunting her. We were saying last week, it's kind of a reckless move that she makes. For sure. When it's almost a point of pride for her. And Nicola did say that Penelope gets a little bit ahead of herself in this series, which we'll see culminate when she lets slip to Eloise and that's how Eloise pieces it all together. But is she going to be more careful? Is there going to be a challenge that she just can't back down yeah. from where she can't stop herself? Which is what happened in the books. She couldn't leave it and she had to publish and that's where she made the mistake. It's one of Penn's vices, unfortunately. Like yeah. she's very, 
She loves a challenge. She also loves to spite people. And, and she's yeah. proud of her work. Yeah. And she yes. hates it to be challenged. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just, like, I I really was sitting there and I was like, Pen, you need to watch yourself a little bit. You're getting a little too cocky. Dial it mm. down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before we return to Romney Hall, there's just a little costuming detail I found interesting. While practicing her lawn bowling, Prudence appears to be wearing a necklace and earrings with oranges on them. And later <laughs> this episode, she ends up getting caught alone with Cousin Jack in the orangery. Back at Romney Hall, the two plant besties are poring over a copy of Flora Greca, and <laughs> Colin points out his favorite flowers on the page. So when not staring at a single blade of grass, Colin was apparently soaking in the side of Cornipifolia, which, if you are not aware, are a cute little yellow flower, also known as brass buttons. Remind you of anyone, Colin? <laughs> She's cute. It's a button. But to bring the mood back down, sorry, listeners. In this scene, Marina is somewhat dismissive of Philip. You can tell that they get on, but it's clearly not a loving relationship. And again, just reinforces the idea that Colin likely would not have been happy with Marina. I hate how Marina treats Philip in this scene. This is Philip's passion. It's his life's work. And he has given up the rest of his life to help Marina. It kills me that she puts him down in this way. The reason that that happens is because Colin really needs to have it slapped in his face that this is not the life that you wanted because they make Colin and Philip so similar that it's mm. a similar passion but like we were saying earlier about Philoise because this is such a Philoise episode I can't wait to see Eloise be just absolutely fascinated it's those two yeah. intellectuals and you know that he's going to be just as interested by what she's interested in yeah I think he would encourage her interests rather than trying to stifle yeah. them like the rest of her family so I've said before that that she has the best journey of every single sibling yeah. because what is better than seeing someone who is so against the idea of being loved, so resistant to love, right. who thinks that it isn't a world for her to fall in love. Like, that's beautiful. Right. Like, that's such a journey. Also because she doesn't want to be the typical, like, woman in love, you know? Mm. Yeah. She doesn't really mm. necessarily want to be a mother. She wants to be able to have her own passions and own things. And I think that with Philip, that that's why they're having him in a direction of someone who's so passionate about something. Yeah. Just imagine like the dramatic conflict in their season where Eloise realizes the one thing that she has been fighting against, that she actually finds mm-hmm. happiness with someone else who does support her interests and does want to yeah. form a partnership with someone, but doesn't feel like imprisoned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. she fears that marriage is this prison. But if she finds like this freedom with him, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why Polymus plays such an interesting role in Eloise because one of the reasons, like we've seen in this season, that it's not that she can't love and doesn't want to love. Mm-hmm. She she has a thing for Theo. It's just she's so scared that marriage will be a prison right. where she can't yes. be herself, where it's going to contain her. And that's what she fears the most. She fears being contained and having her wings clipped. But mm-hmm. if she sees that Penelope hopefully is able to continue her writing mm-hmm. with Colin, yeah. being married to Colin, she'll see that Penelope being married isn't a prison for Penelope. It's an expansion of her world. It's an right. expansion of her life yeah. and herself. And she still has a freedom, but she has the benefit of being in love. So Penelope going ahead of Eloise in that respect, I think will help reconcile a little bit of that fear for Eloise. I mean, speaking of pollen, in order to sort of get us back over on, there. On what about the pollen podcast? Yeah. <laughs> Never. <laughs> That's kind of why I don't want Lady Whistledown to be revealed next season because that will also then lead yeah. to Eloise seeing that she's still able to work yeah. and have her dreams and everything because Paul and her living that out. Penelope has a lot of work to do 
with refining what Lady Whistledown is. I yeah. think she makes mistakes at the moment mm-hmm. with what it is. And she, we've said before, she needs to reconcile the two parts of her personality and start recognising that she is Lady Whistledown, Lady Whistledown is her. But yeah. she cares about it so deeply to a fault almost we see in this episode. Right. It's such a core part of her that to give up on that would be a huge blow. So I agree, let's not have the reveal yet. Yeah. But we'll talk about that in the future. Yet time to say goodbye to Sir Philip. Just before we do, a quick note. This cheers you up about the entire trip to Romney Hall is that Luke Newton thought that this meeting was incredibly important for Colin and in the long run, his relationship with Sir Philip is more important to Colin's development as a character than the temporary reconciliation with Marina. Mm-hmm. He said that Colin felt validated by his interaction with Sir Philip and that this was a really intimate moment that stuck with Colin and made him see that he could create a life for himself and he also liked that this was a geekier side to Colin where he's not just a charming empty-headed character he has passions and he has interests in this slightly nerdier plant one side to him but when Sir Philip has left to say goodnight to the twins Colin comments on how amiable he is and Marina does not take well to this it seems she's dropped the strained politeness of it earlier in the day she's had a long day of the two of them and she outright asks him why he came to Romney Hall in the first place and Colin says that he came to apologise he says that throughout his travels he kept pondering how I left things between us all of those terrible things I said to you we did talk about this last season in 107 when Colin had his confrontation with Marina I think the worst thing he said was that she was a cruel woman so I think he's being a bit harsh on himself that he seems to have convinced himself that he was to blame for all of this and I think he's got so confused and then he comes to apologize to her He, he should be apologizing to anyone Uh, But Marina says, I do not need your apology any more than I desire your forgiveness. All of this, you and I, is in the past. And I hate that Marina doesn't give Colin an apology here when it's so clear that that's what he needs. It's so clear that he's confused and he's turned up at a door and he needs closure. And I think he deserved that apology. And he ultimately has to make it through without ever getting one. Yeah. Last week, Colin alluded to the questions that seem to linger. And this is what's plagued him. He says, do you not look at your life and wonder what might have been had we conducted ourselves differently? And Marina says it's a fool's form of torture. And once again, that allusion to Colin being made a fool in this situation, which is called yeah. repeatedly for him. And in a way, he does get that closure here, but it's done in the most painful way possible as Marina absolutely annihilates him by saying, you're a boy caught up in his own fantasies. So much of Marina for Colin was about him wanting to be taken seriously as a man. So to be reduced to a boy is absolutely brutal. And she also attacks his desire to save people, yeah. which really cuts deep. And she accuses him, crucially, of being caught up in his own fantasies. Yeah, lots of talk of fantasies. And it's very interesting and something that we, like, we've had it throughout, you know, mm. it's not just this scene. It's mentioned loads. And that we definitely think is going to play out in season three. We are, or at least I am, but I think we are begging for a dream sequence. Not in his wildest fantasies. So remember, Marina told Penn that her love was an unrequited fantasy. And of course, we all remember what Colin said at the end of 208. I think season three is going to be about both of them letting go of their fantasies and ideas of what they wanted from their future and what they thought of each other. And so he does need to be pulled out of it, the mistaken dream he has about who Marina was to him, the life he wanted, who he is as a person. And everything about his trip to Romney confronts him with the reality of what he would have been so he does need to be pulled out but marina does it 
completely brutally when she says, I refuse to be thrust back into such a world of fantasy. Mm-hmm. You need to wake up Colin. And if you ever needed more evidence that Colin is oblivious about the fact that Penn is in love with him, here you go. When <laughs> Marina suggests that he makes Penelope happy, Colin is visibly confused and almost taken aback. He doesn't know what to make of that statement. Luke said that one of the reasons he was so distracted in this moment and unable to focus on the comment about Penelope was that his ego was still reeling from being called a boy. And he said that this moment cut very deep within Colin. But yeah, like you say, like evidence that Colin has no idea. Luke also thought that this was an important scene to help Colin put the situation to bed. And both him and the director worked to make this a moment where Colin was able to change focus and really try and move past the guilt and the confusion that he struggled with. So it's harsh, but it's a big turning point for him. Yeah. And then Colin bids Marina farewell as Marina, that later when referring to her, he calls her Lady Crane. Mm-hmm. And we know earlier in the scene he was struggling with what to call her. And this may just be a matter of speaking to someone directly versus referring to them. However, maybe it's some hope. It could be a good sign of him finally sort of starting to let yeah. go a bit, like he recognises her as Lady Crane. I think we need cheering up after all that though, because that was savage. But I do love this scene. Hearts the next scene, ball. yes, because next evening we've got the annual Hearts and Flowers Ball that we've been promised. Do we think we're going to get another one? Yes. The part of this, the orangery was filmed at Rest Park, wasn't it? Rest Park will be returning, but it might not be a Hearts and Flowers because it was filmed during the day from what we've seen, the leaks at mm-hmm. Rest Park. Another thing to note too is that they will use the same locations but use different rooms. Mm-hmm. I think somebody pointed it out that they use a library and a dance room or something. That's where the lights were pointing in. But in Aubrey Hall, it's looking gorgeous. We've party is well underway and Penelope is arm in arm with her best friend Eloise and Colin is nowhere to be seen. Oh my good lord, this outfit. Um, So, Penn's outfit here, which is a gorgeous pink dress, actually won the reddit.com forward slash r forward slash Colin Bridgerton <laughs> outfit game. It won overall, getting 65% of the vote against the other finalist, which is the yellow daisies look of 207, which I will also gush about at the time. <laughs> and we also pitted it against the winner of Colin's outfit game, which was Fencing Colin from a couple of episodes ago. And it is just so, so gorgeous. We love her in pink. Her chest is chesting for sure here. (laughs) As a user on Reddit called Amber Brainwave said, if there is one thing I've learned about these polls, meaning the outfit game, the less the actors can breathe, the more people like it. Except for Colin with his white shirt. Oh yeah, on women only. And her makeup is so beautiful. And even though her hair is up, which, you know, we're definitely more loosey-goosey baby, it's still kind of loose. Her jewellery is delicate and floral. In my opinion, and in the collective democratic opinion of the subreddit, it is her best look. So, of course, Colin doesn't get to see it. This is classic Shondaland torture. She looks so good. She's not fucking there. So I do have some hope because we know that the Featheringtons reuse dresses. Reduce, reuse, recycle. So we could maybe, maybe, maybe please see this dress in season three. Maybe, please. I would also love to see Portia's dress again because another stunner from Portia. She looks so good. I like good. that her gloves match yeah. her, her like almost <laughs> wallpapery pink dress. Mm-hmm. Nicola said she was actually surprised by how pretty Penn's dress was in this scene because it's just so beautiful and intricate. And the costume designers for season two said that pink for Penelope is a colour of her independence. So this is something that she saw in Vauxhall in 101 when Portia wasn't there to accompany Penelope, so she was able to wear a dress of her own choosing. So we get to see a little bit more of Penelope's style because 
Later in this season, we'll see Pen in a bit more pink because Portia has less of a hold over Penelope as she's distracted by first Philippa in the season and then later Prudence as she gets engaged to Jack. I think her hairstyle is so unique. Um, it's almost ethereal and like nymph-like. And I think that she tried so hard to put this outfit together to look incredible because she was certain that Colin would be there because it's Aubrey Hall. Ooh. It's his family seat. Of course he's going to be at the Hearts and Flowers. And he didn't fucking turn up. But Lecky, I can see that you're fit to burst, so I feel as if you're going to have some opinions here. <laughs> well, I know this is blasphemy, but this is not my favorite of Penelope's dresses this season. I will forever be salty that this dress somehow won over my beloved Daisy dress from 207. She she does look beautiful, uh, but I digress. I mean, neither of those are my favorite. I voted for the green dress. I go backwards and forwards, but I think... I'm with you on 207, but we will get there in a few weeks. Eloise and her suitor dance after Penelope pushes her into it, saying it would entertain her and that Penelope will be able to hear about it. Is Lady Whistledown pushing Eloise into dancing to get, you know, the bit of content, perhaps? But Penelope also asks if Eloise has spoken to Colin about his visit with Marina yet, so showing that Colin hasn't shown his face today. Yes. But Violet pulls Lord Morrison over and Alice forced dance in misery. And Penelope at first thinks it's quite funny. She sounds with Violet and laughs at her best friend. But then it all goes south for Pen and Elle when Elle argues with her suitor, gets incredibly upset, storms off, the night is over. And as a side note, to return to our five watch, just want to say that fans absolutely convince themselves, and by fans, I mean us, and by us, I mean me, that Fife could be seen watching Penelope throughout this whole dance. It's the tiniest little glimpses. And we drew, <laughs> we drew like diagrams. Do you remember this? I'm on that train. We like drew diagrams. We're like, he was looking at this angle. And if you think about it, Penelope would have been standing there. We were so convinced. Yeah, because he's watching Pen. <laughs> Honestly, those were their happier times. But Thank once you. Eloise has stormed off, Penelope is left completely by herself watching over the ton. And I love the symbolism. I love that it's a very famous picture of Penelope as she stands away from everyone else observing. And while she's busy observing everyone in the ton, she spots her family up to no good. Lecky, what's going on? So Portia rounds up a group of guests and decides to give them a tour of the Bridgerton's orangery, which seems a bit <laughs> weird. How often do you go to someone else's house as a guest and then offer to give other people a tour? Anyway, <laughs> we have another little Fife sighting. One thing I love about this sequence is that obviously Fife needs to be in this scene because Portia lured Cousin Jack to the orangery by claiming Fife wanted to speak with him. But I just love that Fife was like, oh yeah, a tour of the orangery sounds good. <laughs> like he, <laughs> he just like always up for a party. But I guess he also really likes orangeries or tours. I don't know. Or gossip. <laughs> I guess he's always up for a good time. R5. And just by Fife's side, Penelope also rushes in to see what's going on and she is completely taken aback at what is happening with her family drama. And I tell you now, at the time, we were beyond besides ourselves at the idea that Fife was standing so close to Penelope. Delusional. Um, but also, do you know what confuses me about this entire plot? Is the idea is that Jack's been caught with prudence, right? And it's like, oh. <gasps> scandal. But they live together? Yeah. yeah. Like, surely they're alone together literally all of the time. Yeah. But I suppose the insinuation that Portia's making here is that they've been up to no good. But where was Colin this whole evening? Who's missed out on all the drama? He was crying in his bedroom. Bless his little heart. <gasps> Can I just say, sorry, mm -hmm. do you think Penn thought that Colin was going to dance with her? Yes. That's so sad. Damn it. Yes, probably. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, she, she pushes Eloise into dancing because she says that... She's not gonna, yeah. She basically implies that she's not going to get an opportunity to do so. Just just break my heart in half, why don't oh, you? <laughs> she tried so hard and he just wasn't there. You've got, you've got some ground to make up for love. <laughs> 
Back inside Aubrey Hall, Penelope corners Prudence as they're heading upstairs after Prudence's surprise engagement. Yeah, and in this scene, she sort of seems to kind of sympathise with Prudence, asks her if he tried any funny business, and gives her a chance to be nice. It does remind me of 201, where we see her kind of considering whether she's going to start helping her family yeah. a bit more than her family are all dicks to her. So she, she kind of loses that idea. But I kind of get the same thing here. Like, Prudence really comes off badly. Um, and she's it shows us that she is always sort of willing to give people the benefit of the, the doubt and see the best in people where possible. Prudence obviously spoils it with what she says here. She says that she's jealous. Yeah, I really hate Prudence's behavior here. Prudence is also so mm-hmm. confident that mm-hmm. Lady Whistledown is going to write about the engagement yeah. that I almost wish Penn hadn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do have to say, I was a little bit critical of Penn in this scene too, because Penn makes a comment about how like this could ruin their family. And she goes, it's not just comments yeah. on her citrus dresses or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but Penn, you're already did that last season like you you know like (laughs) yeah you saw it from the perspective of you're saving colin but you also threw your family to the wind on that shit it's like she she has in her mind like a hierarchy of importance doesn't she so when it's to save colin it all she'll do anything yeah and i think this is something we're gonna see in season three Mm -hmm. is that there is no limit ultimately that she will not go to for him yeah and listen i get it i i mean this is bringing up an actual tuba story now that i'm thinking about it. I can Tuba really... boy! Tuba boy, he's not coming back, is he? Well, first of all, he's moved to the city that I live in now. Oh uh, my god, you're gonna be the second chance love trope. No, he's in a relationship. They've been together forever, and that's fine. Well, you'll be the second chance <laughs> love trope. <laughs> getting stale. Anyway. I'm Sorry, I'm wishing good thoughts to <laughs> Tuba boy, his partner. Anyway, back in the day... Again, we had AIM instant messenger and everything. I used to, like, tell him straight up when, like, the girl that I hated that he was seeing cheated on him or something or was, like, flirting with other guys. Like, I immediately reported it to him and then just, like, threw her under the bus because I was like, it's all for love. It'll all pay off one day. (laughs) And I feel like that's kind of what Penn thinks, too. Like, it's all for love. It'll all pay off one day. Yeah, I don't think Mm. Penn wants to to be ruined just for nothing and yeah. especially i don't think she wants to be ruined just for the sake of prudence of all people right but no. i wonder what's going to have happened over the off season that's going to have made penelope completely give up on her family as well because she part of her motivation is to get away from her family and it's moments like this be like you totally justified pen yeah maybe not to you being so i love pen i just no. i felt a couple of times <laughs> in this episode that she was just being a bit hypocritical that's all and we're getting yeah. there in just a second because after a yes. quick segue where we learned that once again the Featheringtons are in financial catastrophe because Jack who would have guessed it is a complete and utter fraud we're gonna go over for our favourite scene of our favourite episode someone put me out of my misery because we have I mean do we even have to can we just end the episode here Thank you for coming to What About Pollen Podcast. We'll see you all next week. Beans, see us out. Barely even friends. <laughs> then somebody bends unexpectedly. Right, sadly, it's time. Vegetable, what's going to happen? So fans and non-fans refer to this as the Beauty and the Beast scene mainly for aesthetic reasons, well, fully for aesthetic reasons, what am I saying? It's certainly not the rousing love story, is it? (laughs) So their outfits are very similar to the ones that Belle and the Beast wear in the bull scene in Disney Classic. It's also on a staircase, there's a big grandfather clock, great vibes. But unlike that happy scene, these are dark, dark days for pollen. 
It was dark times, Harry, dark times. Um, <laughs> so, Colin has missed our magnificent, beautiful hearts and flowers dress. And this is what he sees. And I'm sorry, this is going to be really bitchy, but I just don't like, oh, come on. He sees this. This is what I will less than effectively refer to as bow bitch dress because I'm angry. She looks cute, great, but it's just not a look, is it? There's just too much going on. There's a like pink cord that could be the things that you put like fancy chaise longs have like long cylindrical. Oh, like cushions. the trimming. It's one of them. Yeah, the <laughs> trimming on that. There's a bow. Not a singular I'm... bow. About 40 oh, there's, bows. There's a few bows. There's a f- yeah, there's, one there's of... a lot of bows here. It's such a major regression from Hearts and Flowers. Yeah. And I'm sure Beans and Lecky will love this outfit. Oh. I literally just pointed the... out there's 40 bows on it. I'm sorry, no. I don't <laughs> like this outfit. In fact, I think I was upset that that outfit kept getting voted for because oh, I hated great. it. You've got seen sense. And context is everything. I think it's a miserable scene, so we feel miserable about it. And I think it's such a deliberate choice to regress Penn in this moment because Colin's vision is still completely clouded. He's still very much caught up in everything that's just happened. We saw him when Marina brought Penelope up. He was like, what are you talking about? And now in this moment when Colin sees Penelope, he's just like, I'm not anywhere in that headspace to see you as a romantic interest. Penelope's Mm -hmm. soft waves have been traded again for tight curls, giving her Mm -hmm. a girlish appearance again at the worst possible time and during the worst possible scene. As mentioned in the last episode, this is the dress that we think looks similar to the doll in the nursery. So if Colin is looking at Penelope and seeing her as a childhood friend who reminds him of his past, and he's just been wounded by being accused of being a boy, then this is definitely not what he's ready to see Penelope as a future love interest. We had the green at the beginning of the episode, which is sort of like the, ooh, pollen. But this is just complete opposite. There's no green tones to either of their outfits. And to me, this says they're far apart again at this point. It's not a good spot for them. Yeah, so it's kind of like they've taken a giant step forward and immediately took two steps back because the green dress that Penn arrived in was meant to foreshadow their future union. And now we feel this gulf between them as they revert back to their former colors. And if that wasn't enough, Penn is also standing above Colin on the stairwell, basically towering over him. Not only does this emphasize how low and weighed down Colin is feeling, but it also visibly demonstrates that he's feeling both the weight of his and Lady Whistledown's actions. But I will say that Colin looks incredible in this scene with his dark velvet and it is the only redeeming part of it. I've called it a feast of a blue outfit. (sighs) He's gone moody blue. Overall, it's just a recipe for disaster. But Colin is walking down the stairs. He's completely lost in thought. We know he didn't show up at the Hearts and Flowers. And Penelope stops him and and he turns around and you can see on his face that he really, really, really doesn't want to speak to her. Not because he doesn't want to be around Mm -hmm. her, but he, he just wants to be alone. And Mm -hmm. Penelope says that they missed him at the ball last night and he says that he wasn't up to it, which if Penn was ready to read his signals, she would gather that he didn't want to speak and wanted to be left alone. But Penelope Mm -hmm. here needles him about his trip with Marina. She's trying to get information, but what she really wants to know is perhaps seeing her was what you needed to leave the past behind, to no longer feel the need to forswear women. And what she's doing here is similar to what she did in 202. Get over her and under someone else. And so what she's doing is here what she did in 202, (laughs) where she was coming at this from a romantic angle I want to be with you. Are we on the same page? What's going on in your love life? Needle, needle, needle. Beans, you said that you were critical of Penelope's actions in this episode. And this is a part where I really agree because I think that what Colin really, really needed in this scene was for Penelope to be his friend. Because she's so good at recognising when there's something wrong with him. She picks up on that. She has that ability. And what he needed was her to be his friend. And Colin just needs space. He retreated in on himself. He didn't kind of go make a big spectacle of how hurt he was. He didn't rub it in her face. He went inside himself as he 
usually does. Yeah. And she's pushing him romantically when that's the opposite of what he needed. And she ends up getting burnt by this entire interaction as a result because she pushes him too far as she did in 202 and she ends up hearing something that she didn't want to hear. But yeah. what I will say about Penelope in this is that she, this is the last time she does it. She doesn't make that mistake again. This scene just makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah. Penn just pushes and pushes, pressing Colin for an answer about whether he's ready to move on and look for a wife. And the response we get from Colin is equally frustrating. By the time Colin left Romney Hall, it seemed like he had accepted Marina's words and was ready to leave the past behind. But now, one day later, he still seems caught up in what ifs and wonders if things would have been different if Lady Whistledown hadn't written about Marina. Ouch. Um. It's not what Penn wanted to hear, and it's certainly not what we wanted to hear. So we don't even really feel relieved when Colin ends the conversation by admitting he is starting to think about the future. Mm. And I feel like the last scene with Marina was like a necessary evil, but this one mm. just sucks. Yeah. Do you know what though, Lex? For a start, I think I've seen many fans concerned about what this means for Colin and Lady Whistledown because he's directly critical of Lady Whistledown here, which is a dagger to Penn's heart. Because he still yeah. in this moment is like, had Lady Whistledown not done what she did, we'd all have different lives. Penelope interprets that as Colin wishes he was married to Marina yeah. and yeah. I'm responsible for his misery as well as Marina's misery. But I think it's also important to remember that Colin, by the time that he does find out about Lady Whistledown, will be in a totally different headspace, right. both in regards to how he feels within himself, how he feels about Marina, mm-hmm. and how he'll feel about Penelope. So I don't think really we can take this pained moment as a model for how he's going to react. True. And then the other thing, like, is where I just slightly disagree with you. I think when he left Romney Hall, I don't think it had been resolved. I think yeah. he was just in shock yeah. and processing. And he took himself out of society for the for a whole day and a half yeah. to process. And fans get frustrated by his reaction here, but he needs time to process everything that happened. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to do that if certain redheads would just let him. And yeah. what I will say, and the proof is kind of in the pudding with this, is that this is a turning point for Colin every single Colin scene we see from this point onwards after this catastrophe is completely different Colin approaches Penelope he breaks through he genuinely is starting to think about the future he just needed this moment of figuring that out for himself and having that breakthrough and he walks away from Penn Mm. leaves us standing alone dire times I will also say I think that this is a turning point for Penelope too because as Nicola has mentioned in interviews before is that she needs to see Colin off of his pedestal that she's put him on And this is the beginning Mm, of that crack and that facade that she has of Colin Bridgerton. He said something that she doesn't want to hear. And in this particular time, it's really affecting her. And while he doesn't know, it does start to initiate that change in how she sees him as this like perfect partner. And I think that's important for both of them because once they learn each other's flaws and vices, they'll be better for each other. I think one of the reasons why we really dislike this scene as a fandom is because, yeah, we have difficult scenes between them, but there's usually some sort of humour between them or there's something endearing about their interactions. But here they're just incomplete. They're completely odds. And it's because Penelope is approaching him in a way that he absolutely can't be dealing with in the moment. And Penelope learns from it. She doesn't do this again. She never needles him in the same way. We've said it in two or two that Penelope is she's always turning to last chapter so now she's like pushing him again and what she learns here is that I think sometimes Colin needs Penelope to be a friend yeah it's a painful scene Penelope's left standing alone not a good time for the Pollins monsters thankfully we're gonna get out of the staircase because I don't want to hang around there any longer 
And we end the episode as the Ton finally depart from Aubrey Hall after a after a successful in some ways trip for some less successful for others I love this tiny moment I can't remember I'm so sorry but someone on the sub pointed this moment out and I'd never noticed it before which is where Penelope waves goodbye to one of her friends that she's made at the <laughs> it's one of the young ladies oh, so Penelope cool. does have friends and she's in a yellow carriage and everything she's wearing yellow it's like a little yellow oh. moment of yellow costume solidarity and I just want to say that I she's wearing the exact same dress two minutes later but she looks adorable right and i think this goes to show that context is everything for how we perceive <laughs> costuming because she looks so sweet here you know what she's so cute i can't get over That's it her storytelling is they're so odd with each other visually yeah. and contextually within the scene it makes us uncomfortable to be in that scene where here where we see her lighter and happier it's much better love it love this yeah, dress pen could still do without the 85 bows though yeah yeah and in this scene we see anthony propose to edwina main plot drama and and Penn looks so happy just that she's witnessed a proposal and she's just like, oh, she's just like a little romantic. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to be a little bit cynical. <laughs> I'm going to be cynical. I agree that Penn is a romantic at heart. Don't doubt that. That's not been burnt out of her soul just yet. But I would argue that the reason she looks so pleased is because everyone else in the ton has left. It's only really the Featheringtons and the staff and the Sharmas and Lady Danbury who are still left behind. And therefore that makes her one of the only people who actually saw yes. the proposal. So Lady Whistledown has her exclusive. After all, remember earlier on when she was speaking to the young lady, she was worried she wouldn't have an exclusive scoop. Mm -hmm. Penn's mm -hmm. got it. I think she's a romantic, but she's a businesswoman and she knows when she's got a thing. And also I think she's happy that she gets to one-up Prue because... Yeah, thank God final lady whistle down of the episode she says yeah sure prudence got a match whatever but you know what the real story is here anthony yeah. bridgerton yeah and that my friends is victory so lecky after all of that do you have a whistle up <laughs> So it's not Apollo moment, but my favorite moment this episode is probably Antony's little leg slide, the little move he does while he's <laughs> dancing. Though the formation of Fallen, <laughs> our Philip and oh, Colin friendship, is our plant besties is also a runner up there. Mm -hmm. Eloise is going to be so pissed off when Colin has married her best friend. So she's lost her best friend. <laughs> And she's like, okay, fine, I'll go find some else. And then she goes and meets Philip. She's like, wow, something of my own. And Colin is going to be like, oh, yeah, do you mean my, my best friend? My best friend, Philip. She's <laughs> like, yeah, hang on, no, no, you already married my best friend. She's like, yeah, I, she's my wife, so I had a vacancy as best friend. And that's Philip. And Eloise is going to be like, for fuck's sake, get out of my life. <laughs> Yeah. Do we have do we have a whistle down for this episode? Anything that anything that made you feel yeah. distinctly uncomfortable, like you wanted to rip your eyeballs out by any chance? <laughs> I think it goes without saying that that's going to be the Beauty and the Beast scene. No surprise there. Colin and Penn are on completely different wavelengths. Penn is being inconsiderate. Colin speaks negatively about Lady Whistledown. It sucks. Bow ratings. Jesus Christ, this bow rating should be out of about fifty nine, shouldn't it? This week, I'm going to say Penn looks incredible. I like to see her at Aubrey Hall. The rest is a bit, a bit heart-wrenching, so I'm going to give it a seven. Yeah, that's my rating too. Yeah. No way. Yeah, sure. Yep. I'll go seven as well. Beans, are going to be controversial? You love the drama. I did like, I like the drama, but I just kind of was disappointed in both Penn and Colin this episode. I wasn't feeling either of them. I'm going to give it an eight. You've got a full to rise haven't you and next week might be a little bit better for both of them mm -hmm. in fact next week i actually think that we're gonna have a mid-season break <laughs> we we yet to figure out exactly what we're gonna do but i do have a little plan up my sleeve so we're gonna have a little break Great. from our rewatch as we like to do we're gonna go lick our wounds with colin and recuperate <laughs> from from the stress of this episode and bring you something a little bit different until then 
Lucky, where can everyone find us? You can find us at whatabarbpod on Instagram and TikTok. And you can find us over on the subreddit at reddit.com forward slash r forward slash Paul and Bridgerton. Beans, you're actually with us this week. Yeah. So I'm so honoured, so delighted, so thrilled to ask you, can you see us out? Das Violin, du, 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 du,